Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show. I'm Johnny Nani. I've got Ron Luce with me tonight to discuss a Blackhawks roller coaster of a 6-5 to five shootout winner. Ron, heart attack Hawks in full effect tonight. Yeah, my adrenaline level is still pumping, Johnny, uh, as we even begin this episode. I'm like, I'm not totally shaking anymore. But man, oh man, my heart is still pumping a thousand miles per hour. Oh, I mean, how could it not after that overtime? And uh, obviously plenty that set this thing up. But yeah, the last stages of it, uh, don't blame you at all. I'm still a little bit, um, like you said, some jitters. But uh, at least I had a few breaths, a couple sips of water here, uh, get ourselves collected, ready to go. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into all of this. Uh, but before we do, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen, and you'll get these right in your queue as soon as they drop. So, Ron, um, as we came into this one here, um, nice to get Connor Murphy back. Uh, that was some of the news before. Unfortunately, Dylan Strom out. Uh, he's in the concussion protocol um, as was released yesterday. Lucas Carlson lands on IR. Um, we're for uh, 10 to 14 days. He's got a groin strain. So uh, that was kind of the news to set this one up. That means the lineup was back to a standard, uh, you know, 12 forwards, 6D tonight. And um, Lankinen was in net. So uh, that's set up for this one. Uh, initial thoughts here. Um, I mean, he started out pretty damn well. Um, and they continued that play uh, during the second at five on five. But it was the penalties, lack of discipline that ended up, uh, you know, costing them. And it ended up in the back of their net a few times. Um, and then my other initial thought here is that this game is hammered. I, what did I say? This game was drunken on drugs. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of Trailer Park Boys reference. That's that's my initial thoughts. What are yours? Yeah. Uh, um, you said a lot of things I agree with Johnny obviously the fast start was really nice for the Hawks they completely dominated that first period so the fact that the score was what it was a little foreshadowing um you know was kind of surprising given how dominant the Hawks looked early but ultimately at the end of the day yeah this game was stupid like Carl Soderberg (laughs) had three points like I don't know it was just a bananas game fun to watch as a fan I mean if I was a hockey fan that didn't give a damn about either one of these teams and I was just watching this game I'd be pumped because this was an awesome game to watch. But as a Hawks fan, like you said, a heart attack Hawks, that's exactly how this game shaped out. And that is literally the perfect initial reaction to this game. Yeah, and that's, you know, like all of my initial thoughts are that's not even touching uh, on the overtime and shootout uh, where it got even crazier. But we'll get in and break all this down like we always do. So let's start with the first. Um, and usually we'll kind of talk about some themes here. Uh, we kind of laid this one out before, though. Uh, Hawks pretty much dominated this one at five on five. I think shots after the first period. Yeah, 17 to five in favor of the Hawks. Outchance Columbus 11 to seven at five on five and high danger chances in favor of the Hawks five to two. So that tells you their determination of how this first period went. The scoring uh, first one was a Soderbergh power play goal assist to Kane and to Brinkett on that one. Um, that was after a Stenlin high sticking penalty at Murphy at seven nineteen mark. And then uh, after that, Domi turned one over at his own blue line. Uh, Suter fed Kane as a uh, were still in the zone. The puck never left, so they weren't offsides. Uh, they were you know two on zero. Oh 
with the goalie and um, they, Kane buried. He doesn't miss many of those. Two O Hawks there. Suter and Yanmark get the assists. Uh, it was a good job by Yanmark keeping his stick in the way um, to not let Domi get that puck completely out. Uh, and then the Jackets answered. Um, Atkinson drove uh, in alone after Highmore was kind of stripped. Uh, puck was chipped out and uh, made it 2-1. Atkinson did there. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely I'm with you, uh, what you said in your initial thoughts. Hawks could have been up e- even more after the first period, but uh, give me some of your observations uh, from the first frame here. Yeah, I mean, first off, really enjoy Carl Soderberg stepping up to the plate and getting his third of the season on the on the man advantage there. Always nice to see guys like that step up when you need them, especially games like this against Columbus this year. I mean, they uh, Patrick uh, Pat Foley said on the on the broadcast, right, this was, what, the fifth time already that these two teams have met? Uh, in only 20 games, so a quarter of their season, they've already played each other. Um, you know, so you're especially when the the tempers are high, you're very familiar with the team as a whole. You need guys like a Carl Soderberg to step up. So great to see that out of him. I don't care how he gets the goal. Uh, everybody's gonna be like, oh, he barely touched it. I don't give a damn. It's a goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. Still goes on the goal. Sh- the score sheet is a goal. Uh, and then yeah, obviously number 88, uh, the greatest American-born player of all time. You can at me. I don't give a shit because he is. Um, yeah, he ain't missing many of those. Like you said, Johnny, that's, that's a, that's a beauty from him. And then on the Atkinson play, you know, just unfortunately, uh, Columbus takes advantage of a, a Hawks mistake. You might like that one uh, to be snagged by Lankinen, but it is what it was. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I, I think the Hawks should have been up by way more after the first period, just based on how they played, but a two, one lead is a two, one lead. So they were able to take that into the second intermission or yeah, the comment, second period, excuse me. Comment on Soderbergh's goal there. Uh, my stick to click, uh, for tonight, um, me and Tony had picked these, uh, you know, we did a, the show Saturday recapping Friday's game and, you know, we do the stick to click that looks forward to who we think is going to get it done, um, in this one and Soderbergh ends up with a three point night. So a uh, good pick by me. Kubelik also scores later, which we'll get to. So Tony hits on that as well. Uh, always nice. And we can kind of, uh, you know, toot our own horns there. Uh, and I had mentioned that he was going to get some power play time. I didn't know at the time that Dylan Strom would be out, but I figured uh, he might get a look uh, just for being that veteran presence. Sure. Guess what? He did. And he capitalized on it. So I'm feeling good about that one. Let's move into the second period. Blackhawks not off to a good start. Exactly the opposite of how you want to start this thing, actually. And same issues creeping back from Friday night. Uh, undisciplined early. Uh, Kershev turnover lets the Jackets keep it in. And Soderbergh commits a tripping penalty behind the net on Atkinson. Just 41 seconds in. And Ron Patrick Line, uh, when he gets the puck, he is absolutely deadly. He sniped one home to make it 2-2 two to two here. Yeah, he's bonkers. Um, I mean, he's just – that shot is next level. And there's a reason. Like, I think everybody was a little surprised by the uh, the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade that involved Line going to Columbus. But Columbus wasn't stupid. They knew what they were getting. And, and Roslovic, you know, works in on the second assist here on this goal, who was the other piece in that trade. But, man, it's like there's there's like – probably four guys off the top of my head that I can think of that when they're on that left circle with a right-handed shot, they are just deadly. And it's Steven Stamkos, Alexander Ovechkin, Patrick Laine, and Artemi Panarin. Like those are the four first names that come to my brain when I think of that left circle on, especially on the power play, mm-hmm. like this, this one came, but man, that release is next level. Patrick Laine is just such a pain in the ass. Cause he's so good. 
Yeah, and you know you burn the Hawks uh, in a game previously. Luckily, the Hawks ended up winning that one uh, back when he was at the UC, and uh, now he does it again here. Uh, could have been close to getting burned, but the Hawks uh, end up pulling this one out too. So uh, let's move on through the second period here. Extremely eventful. I mean, there's a shit ton to talk about here. Um, Nick Foligno sprung Bjorkstrand and uh, got in behind both defensemen. Mitchell uh, ends up tripping Bjorkstrand on the way in penalty shot awarded. Um, luckily Lankanen came out and smothered this one. So um, that, that was nice to see. And then uh, Blackhawks looked like they were going to be taking the lead. Um, not too long after uh, I guess camp got sprung in a kind of similar way, but there were a few more back. Uh, he had great patience kind of wait out the goalie. Um, and he came off to the left side of the net and buried one, but it was Highmore in front uh, that had interfered with, with Corpusalo. So that was called for goalie interference. And uh, on the ensuing penalty kill, uh, it was a block party. And this was, you know, the only <laughs> successful kill for the Blackhawks of the night. Uh, Murphy had a block, uh, Han had a block, Carpenter had a block. Uh, so that was good to see him selling out there. Uh, but overall, um, on the penalty kill, like I mentioned, uh, Jackets end up going uh, three for four on their power play. So this is the only successful one. Um, more scoring, like I mentioned, extremely eventful. Uh, Kane uh, had one as he was coming in. The shot kind of pops up behind the net, um, and then he goes around, circles, and retrieves it and puts it on the stick of Brandon Hagel, who finally buries his first NHL goal, Ron. Oh, yes. I was so excited because, like, we've talked about him at nauseum on the show. He's just that cool and tough player. When I think if we ever can make Blackhawks-themed cool and tough t-shirts here at OnTap Sports, that Brandon Hagel's face needs to be in right in the middle of the chest because he just fits that that bruiser, you know, blue-collar, Chicago-esque player. Like, Brandon Hagel is that guy right now on the roster. So kudos to him. First career goals are cool and tough. Awesome to see he, seeing him get his first. And who better to get your first goal from than number 88 himself? Indeed. And, you know, this is uh, Soderberg also gets an assist on this one. So uh, Kane and Soderberg already into multi-point nights here uh, on these, uh, thanks to the assists on this. And uh, just been a long time coming for Brandon Hagel. I, I think that's the uh, overarching theme among all Blackhawks fans everywhere. You see how close this guy's gotten, how hard he works, um, and puts himself in good areas to score. Finally, reward for it tonight. Excellent to see. Love the milestones here. So, uh Theme of the second period, though, for the Blackhawks was discipline and lack of it, actually. And mm-hmm. that uh, showed its ugly head once again right after this goal. They go up 3-2, but wouldn't last long because Boquist takes an interference penalty at 8:24 and line 8 with another snipe here. Um, I hate seeing this guy's name, but God damn it, is he good, Ron? <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, like I mentioned, that, that shot from that spot, I mean, he's yeah. just lethal, you know. Like you would think, and here's why these guys are so good, just really quick, Johnny, because I know we need to keep this thing moving, but like, let's be honest, when the Washington Capitals are on a power play, you know Alexander Ovechkin's going to get the puck at that spot, but yet he still scores, what, 10, 15 goals a season doing that? Line A the same way, like, just because they are so freaking good, and they, you know, they have enough talent around them that you have to respect the other talent, but like, you know where it's going. And they still, you know, make you pay. I mean, yeah, what a snipe from him on the power play. Um, just damn it, he is he is so good. You said it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, only comment I had on this one besides that was Murphy. Uh, he kind of stayed a little bit reserved and more towards the slot on this one. Um, he could have come out and, and you know, kind of sprawled for a block. But at the same time, if Flynn is going to be unloading that, 
I don't blame him for not wanting to do that. Um, but just positionally there, uh, that was my only comment on it. But either way, this thing is tied uh, 3-3. Blackhawks had a power play chance of their own when Domi took a slashing penalty on Kane at 10-13 mark, but not much going on the man advantage. Fortunately, the Blackhawks would strike not too long after that. It was a set faceoff play within the Columbus zone. Puck is drawn back to Keith at the point. He hands it over to Kubalik, who just fucking cranks it, Ron. Four to three, Hawks. Just fucking crank it, baby. Yeah, what a goal. I mean trademark Dominic Kubelik goal. Great seeing Keith and Soderberg once again getting involved on the action and a nice 4-3 lead uh, that the Hawks are actually able to take into the third period here. So, but yeah, love love Kubelik one-timers because they are just cool and tough. Just fucking crank it. Love that. That's our four feathers, uh, you know, kind of stick for Kubelik goals like that. And uh, he's got a great shot, had eyes for the back of the net. And also props to Matthias Yanmark on this play. Excellent screen out in front, taking away Corpusalo's eyes. So a uh, good all-around team play there. And obviously Kubelik, the one delivering. Keith with the assist. Love to see it. So that was another solid period when you're looking at five on five. Hey, Blackhawks dominating this thing again, much like the first. But once again, the penalties uh, were what cost them and ended up in the puck uh, going in the back of their net. So move on to the third period. Uh, another eventful period here. Um, there was uh, a bunch of penalties early on here. 146 Mark Harrington high sticking penalty on Kuba Leak. And then Savard uh, takes a tripping penalty at Kane at the 256 mark. So we get 50 seconds of five on three for the Hawks. Um, Boquist eventually gets one low in the left circle and he snipes the camera, Ron. I love seeing guys when they either, you know, snipe. Obviously, the water bottle is kind of out of play now since they have those more locked down in there. Uh, but the camera, you can still hit that, and Boquist did that perfectly. Yeah, if that camera had a bullseye on it, Adam Boquist was going to get a nice big old uh, 50 points on the old dartboard there. But wow, what a shot. And I got a lot more to talk about this goal that you know we'll get to about Adam Boquist as this episode rolls on. But great seeing him get some confidence. He gets his first of the season. Um, always nice seeing Kane and Kubelik once again on the score sheet. But felt good at that point, right, as a Hawks fan. Two-goal lead. Uh, and you tally one on the power play. This team been hot on the power play all season. They take advantage of a five on three situation. And, you know, at that moment, Hawks fans are flying high. So that's all we could ask at that moment. And I keep saying at that moment because I'm just foreshadowing to set up for you, good sir, to tell us about the rest <laughs> of the third period. Yeah, I mean, it's the old advantage. The, uh, you come out, whatever team comes out on top of the five on three, for the most part, that's kind of the old calling card. They'll be the one that wins the game. Um, luckily, that ended up being the case tonight, but I wouldn't say it was because of this. Uh, because uh, Columbus would get back in this thing. Um, as we talk about later, go, moving on, further scoring uh, another lack of discipline here uh david camp takes a holding penalty maybe a little bit close a little questionable just to play along the boards but either way ref saw it enough uh this came at the 8:13 mark and uh this time it wasn't line a uh bjorkstrand on the opposite side top of the right circle uh he snipes one home here make it 5-4 uh now we're sweating a little bit and um, next scoring play was not on the manage advantage for Columbus, which seems odd since they so many of their goals were tonight. But uh, Kevin Lykin, I think you'd like to have this one back. Uh, he kind of throws it around the boards. And Columbus, give them credit. They did a good job at keeping it in. Uh, but Bjorkstrand eventually collects the puck out front, makes it 5-5. And Ron, I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go again. But I'm also not that shocked uh, because there's seemed like there's too much time left on the clock uh, for this to not, you know, uh, result in another Columbus goal. 
Yeah, Columbus started getting some momentum there in the third period, so you just had a feeling it was coming. And I mean, I think a lot of people forget how, you know, despite their struggles early this season, Columbus is still a very talented roster. Bjorkstrand, one of those players, very good young sniper, um, obviously shows it. There's a reason they paid him a nice big contract. I think he makes like 5.4 starting next year now after his extension kicks in, but there's a reason for it. And he only scores two goals exactly six minutes apart um, at the 10 and 16 minute marks exactly uh, in the period. But yeah, that, that second one just left a bad taste in my mouth. Cause like you said, Johnny, just kind of a fluke play, like credit to Columbus by keeping it in, but Lycanen wasn't even in position and, you know, Borkstrand takes advantage of it. That one just kind of sucked. Um, at least with the power play marker, I at least felt like, Oh, okay. Well, the kill's been kind of awful tonight. And, naturally the two probably best snipers on the blue jackets are able to take advantage of the man advantage. So um, it is what it is, but yeah, just kicking the gut, kicking the balls, whatever you want to call it, Johnny, here we go again is exactly what I thought. Um, Just because you like you said, Columbus just really had that momentum then kind of throughout that final frame there. Yeah. So uh, as we move on, there's no scoring uh, for the rest of that uh, 10 minutes left in the third period. Move on to overtime and uh, Columbus having much better possession in uh, overtime during the three on three period. I mean, Kevin Lincoln, and I think he made five saves, but you could probably even chalk that up to close to seven. I don't know if they count some of those tap backs in on him. Um, man, he was stellar during this one. Um, Blackhawks didn't really have too too many great looking chances um just uh looking at some of these huge blocker save on jones uh he gets a piece of a redirect of someone cutting across the front of the net roslevic on a breakaway stopped and then also two huge stops bjork strand one-on-one had the initial one rebound came back out and he smothered it again with the pad uh calm cool collected kevin even if it may not have looked like it just because three on three is chaotic in and of itself yeah, I mean, you know, and especially we talk about Kevin Lankin, right? Kudos to him because early in this game, I mean, you know, for the entire evening, he finished with an 833 save percentage, probably one of his worst um, in recent memory, to be entirely honest. But, I mean, huge kudos, kudos to him, right? I mean, any young, inexperienced goaltender after that, you know, game-tying goal late in the third period could have just kind of been in their own head the rest of the game. He could have easily given this thing up in overtime pretty early, and the Hawks could have gone home losers and only gaining a point. But, you know, he he keeps his head in the game. He, you know, sticks with it. He makes, like you said, incredible, five incredible saves, like you said, probably should have been seven, uh, in overtime that really kept this thing from getting out of hand and essentially the Hawks losing this game. I mean, you know, like you said, overtime in itself is already a, a clusterfuck. But you add on top of it that the Blue Jackets had clearly had the momentum in that extra period. Kevin Lankin coming up the way he did. The guy continues to show why he is a number one goaltender in the NHL. Huge credit to Kevin Lankin for fending off what I felt like, at least just maybe it's just me. But I felt like it was the inevitable, like, oh, damn, they're going to keep coming. They're going to eventually get one of these through after you see the first few saves. And you're like, oh, man, he's really you know, standing on his head. I don't know how much longer he can keep it up. Well, he kept it up for the five minutes that he needed to, and it got uh, to the shootout. So let's just run through uh, who scored and who didn't. Um, Atkinson goes first for Columbus. Nope, he got in too deep, lost control to brink it. Uh, he kind of goes uh, backhand forehand. Barry's only goal of this uh, one. 
Patrick Laine. Uh, honestly, if I was him, I probably would have just fucking cranked it. Would have just let it rip. Uh, done the yeah. shot. Let the shot do the work. But he doesn't. Gets in a little too tight. Um, tries to shovel one. Uh, Lankin and denies it. Kane. Uh, you know he put on a nice nifty move, but uh, Corpusalo is up to the task there. And Rosselvic had to score then to extend this thing, and he could not either. Kind of came off his skate uh, stick blade at the very end, and Blackhawks win this thing six to five. So, Ron, I know you've got a bunch of observations saved up. Uh, now it is time to let them fly yeah first observation um just overall loved a lot of things obviously patrick kane continuing to show that he's the greatest more born american player ever um unfortunately i think just goalies know what he's going to do in the shootout now i feel like he's got to switch it up a little bit um but nonetheless you know a, a great hawks win love the rebound of kevin lankinen after admittedly you know kind of a tough third period even tough second period to an extent um, he's able to keep sharp and make huge saves in overtime to get this thing to the shootout where, you know, the Hawks ultimately win this game. But the really the one thing, first off, Zadarov playing more minutes than Dahan, I'm never a fan of. Uh, Zadarov playing 22-08, Dahan only playing 17-28. I don't understand that, but it is what it is. But the guy I want to talk about on defense is Adam Boquist because, A, first point, I want more of Adam Boakfist on that left circle on the power play. I don't care if it's on the second unit. Fuck it. Put him out there. The kid's got the shot. You know what he has. Like, they, they put him out there on the five-on-three. You know, he's the only defenseman, but they roll him down. We'd seen it in practice uh, a couple weeks ago that the Hawks were testing that out, kind of him playing lower on the power play and stuff. You know, he's got the shot. Let him play there because – I'll tell you what, I, I really kept an eye on Adam Boakfist throughout the rest of the third period after he smoked the camera. That that goal alone got me so fired up, I'm still like jittery from it because it was just an absolute wicked snipe. But if he is able to get goals like that, especially on the man advantage, when he, he knows he's got that shot, it just improves his confidence. He made one play in overtime, I believe, or either late in the third or in overtime on Patrick Line. Great play, keeping Line from trying to go around him. Stick checks him, makes him regroup himself. He has to turn back inside. He gets support. You know, he did it a couple other times. His confidence level went up after that goal. And that is, the to me, the biggest key with Adam Boakfist because Ian Mitchell, it's his first year pro. He hasn't even touched the pro ice yet. He's still learning. Bodine, he got a little flavor at the end of last season. He's getting a good chance this year so far. He's you've seen the growth in him. Bokvist is key to me because he's still a smaller guy until he can pack on muscle and kind of grow into his body a little more as he gets older. Cause I think we all forget how young he truly is for him. It's confidence. And that goal gave him confidence. JC, I am challenging you to put Adam Bokvist in more situations to give him confidence because if he's able to score like that, I feel like he thrives defensively through his offense, if that makes sense. If he's dominating offensively, if he's getting those goals, those assists, those shot on net, he's a little more motivated coming back. He's not as scared. He's playing with a little bit of a bigger chest. His chest is a little puffed out. He's like, hey, I am a first-round pick. I am the eighth overall pick in my draft class for a fucking reason. And he's showing people like he looked good in the rest of that third period. So honestly, much better than he did the rest of the game. So my biggest takeaway from this is I want to see Adam Bokvist in that shooting position. I don't care if it's on the second unit, you know, let him go out there on the second unit with maybe Brandon Hagel and maybe Pia Suter and let Duncan Keith run it. Or if Bodine's in the lineup and he's not running the first power play unit, let him run the second power play unit. Let there be two D on it. I don't care. 
put Adam Boquist in positions to succeed because when his confidence is high, the rest of his game gets better, and I noticed that tonight in the third period. I want more Adam Boquist one-timers from that left circle, Johnny. That is my biggest takeaway from this game. Oh, and it's nice that the Hawks won. So. Yeah, Rod, I, I like the breakdown a lot there, and I think you make a lot of good points about uh, Adam Boquist and playing with confidence. That, that's huge, and I think it can be huge for any player, but especially for him, a guy that is still establishing himself, and it takes a while for defensemen. So one way that he can, especially since he is an offensive threat, is get the offensive game going, let it flow over into the other uh, portion, kind of the fill up and spill over um, effect. I, I exactly. think that's a good way to visualize it uh, if you're talking about um, setting Adam Boquist up for success. Uh, for me, it's uh, you got you got to have the better killer instinct. Um, I know I know there's still a decent amount of time left after you go up two goals, but man, uh, really nail in with your guys. Like we got to lock this thing down. We got to be clean with our you know breakouts. Make the simple play. They say it all the time on the admission report. You hear it from Conroy. You hear it from Eddie O. You know, make the easy play. Get it in. Get off. Whatever that kind of stuff. But it, it really it rings true. Is when you're trying to do too much, trying to be too fancy. That's when the turnovers happen that lead to um, you know the other teams being able to pick and choose their spots, even if they're having a, you know, go and look at Columbus's side of things. They're not satisfied with their effort at all. Um, but they somehow were able to get in this thing and get a point out of it. So uh, it's having that killer and uh, not wanting to um, play this extra time. Uh, if you don't need to, obviously there'll be times where you have to be the ones that are coming back and uh, forcing that. But when you have that lead, uh, really make it a, uh, you know, point of emphasis uh, to hold it. So uh, other than that, I mean, Patrick Kane, four points tonight, just the the guy is unreal. Uh, He's on a tear and he's also what only two goals shy of number 400 for his career. So we're on milestone watch for him as well. Um, That's about all. I had from this one, I agree with you on the defenseman minutes, um, you know, kind of a game tonight where Mitchell, uh, it's only 12-15. Uh, we have seen in other games, though, that were a little bit more high leverage. He did get some time, so hopefully that jumps back up, and this is just kind of a, uh, you know, situational thing within this game, but uh, that, that's about all I've got for this one. So, Ron, let's get to a word from our sponsor, and we will hit on what's on tap next. Hey, fellas, we are in the thick of winter and a storm's a brewing, or should we say a strom's a brewing for four feathers here? Anyway, looks like there's one to three inches in the forecast when you go and trim that hibernation bush taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology, your snags on your snowballs will be reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof, so you can trim in the shower or the jacuzzi or wherever the hell you want. Manscaped's performance package is the best buy of 2021. It comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. Have you ever noticed how nasty nose and ear hair is? In fact, 79% of partners polled admitted that nose hair is a major turnoff. Might as well have the best tools to take care of that job. The bundle also comes with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant that will make your balls smell nice and fresh all day. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will make your balls look up and say thanks. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ONTAP at manscaped.com. That's the code ONTAP 
all one word, at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. There's plenty of other amazing men's hygiene products on their website from disposable mats for your pubes to foot deodorant. So go and check it all out and take 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code ONTAP. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code ONTAP. All right, thank you to Manscaped. Now let us get into the next game preview. What's on tap next is the same Blue Jackets in Columbus once again. uh, Thursday, February 25th, 6 p.m. Central Time. It will be on NBC Sports Chicago once again. Blackhawks now after tonight sit at 10-6-4, 24 points. And the Jackets 8-7-5, 21 points. Uh, Ron, I think you're going to get a, uh, you know, it's a torts team. You get a pissed off effort. I know you got it after the first period uh, when they came back out tonight. But uh, sitting on that one, especially with the result of the game, ultimately not going their way. Uh, I mean, these guys are fighting for, you know, their, their lives every single game, essentially. And Torts is fighting for his job every game, essentially. Yeah, I agree. I, I fully expect this Blue Jackets team to come out and give a much better effort, especially early. You know, it felt like they gained their legs there in that third period to keep this thing competitive. But it, again, like you said, right, it's a John Tortorella coach team. A lot of these Blue Jackets, a lot of these guys are kind of in flux in a lot of ways. Some of them are locked up long term, but they're all on movable contracts. It's the one thing that Columbus has always done well is they don't sign contracts that they couldn't move if they needed to. So, you know, like you said, everybody's playing for their job every game, especially in Columbus. Columbus was a team that a lot of people thought would easily make the playoffs. And instead, they're on the outside looking in because of the Hawks, ironically. Like, the other three teams are kind of teams I think we expected to be there. Maybe Florida, not so much, but Carolina and Tampa for sure. Yeah, Columbus is going to come out pissed off. They're going to look for revenge, and it's probably going to be a very chippy contest on Thursday, and I'm actually kind of excited for it. Yeah, and we saw a little bit of the chippiness tonight, too. Uh, You know, Patrick Kane getting uh, bodied up a little bit by Savard a little bit after a play. That is what sent a little bit of this to four on four um, in the middle stanza. And, uh, you know, Kane gave him a shot back. And then Murphy was kind of uh, tangling up uh, with a Columbus player as well, kind of in the middle of the third period, too. So uh, I would agree with you. I think we'll get uh, some chippiness to this one. So, um, Ron, we do need to get to our six to click. But before we do that, I just am uh, thinking back and we did not get a cool and tough player of the game out. Um, It's a tough one for me. So I'm going to let you go first. Who would you? put from tonight's game in the 6-5 shootout winner uh who is a cool and tough uh player of the game for tonight oh super easy for me brandon hagel it's he's our cool and tough player i feel like he's the reason (laughs) we have the cool and tough award he gets his first career goal kid finally gets rewarded i mean he's been doing everything right in order to get rewarded very minimal ice time for him tonight actually too which was kind of surprising only 12 and a half minutes roughly uh with just over a minute of that coming on the kill but takes advantage of it, and he also made a great play uh, that we didn't talk about to Kubalik earlier in the game that got stuffed by Corpusello, but easily could have been an assist uh, for Hagel as well. Just continues to light the world on fire, plays balls to the walls. The kid plays 115% every single shift. I love him. Number 38, I, I'm not going to lie, Johnny, he's getting to that. I really want a jersey territory, but he is my <laughs> cool and tough player. Congrats on number one, kiddo. 
you, you are correct. It, he uh, was the reasoning for this, that Tony and I started doing these, um, I think, around the Dallas series is when this came in. And Brandon Hagel was our very first inaugural one. Um, but I like these because it's easy to go in points. And that's what the three stars are for. You know, Patrick Kane is going to be a star of the game for having a four-point night. No question about it. Yeah, that's absolutely cool and tough uh, when he puts on moves. But I, I like to look a little bit below the surface. And when you're talking about uh, reliability uh, on the back end, um, Duncan Keith, man. Uh, leading the way in ice time. Uh, he somehow comes out of this game a plus two. So obviously he's doing things right when he's on the ice in a game that had so many goals back and forth. Um, I, you know, he plays 311 shorthanded tonight. He's your veteran presence there. Still doesn't look like he's lost a step even at 37 years old. So uh, I will give it to uh, Mr. Duncan Keith. So um, that was some backtracking from uh, this, you know, tonight's game that we just recapped uh, before the ad break. So let's get into six to click before we close this down, Ron. Yeah, you know, and just my I'm actually going to involve my stick to click uh, from your last point. Um, Duncan Keith, not only was he a plus two, not only did he have an assist tonight and lead the Hawks in ice time. uh, He also had four shots on goal, which was tied for second on the team tonight. Um, Kubalik led the the team with six tonight. A couple guys had three in the forward group. Kane, Hagel and Soderberg were those guys, Uh, but three defensemen. We're tied for second place with shots on goal. Duncan Keith being one of them. Nikita Zadorov, ironically, was the other one. But my stick to click, Johnny, is Adam Bokvist, who also had four shots on net tonight. The kid's feeling confident. He got his first one of the season. He's He played more minutes, uh, albeit, you know, four almost of that coming on the power play. But he played 15 and a half minutes tonight. He did not play the lowest amount of ice time. And it was a tough game. Columbus is a tough task. They are a rough team especially when you were coached by John Tortorella and Bokvist held his own and he looked good and I think he really was super confident in that third period so I hope number 27 carries that confidence over into Thursday's game so for that reason he is my stick to click I like it I'm going to go up front and I will go with uh, Pia Suter he had an assist tonight um, and you know he's got a a rookie scoring lead to uh, stay uh, up in so you know uh, it didn't actually pop one so I I think he's got he's he's got to get back into that mix so not a Sunday here but I will pick Pia Suter uh, and obviously we'll have a Sunday game coming up uh, with the reverse retros uh, breaking those out Sunday night when they do get back there but we'll get to that uh, after Thursday night's game uh, when we're looking ahead to the weekend so, Ron, uh, that's about all I've got for tonight. Um, for the listeners, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Go and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ontapsportsnet. Uh, you can go and subscribe, rate, and review to get these podcasts right in your queue as soon as they drop. So, Ron, you got one final line for us? Big win. Let's do it again on Run It Back on Thursday, Johnny. Yeah, let's run it back. I'm sick of splitting with Columbus here. Uh, every series has been a split so far. Me and Tony, I know we predicted that. So if I'm going by my past prediction on the last episode, it would be a split. Uh, but hey, uh, now that you've got this one under your belt, uh, you got a day off in between. So I want to see a sweep. Uh, that's about all I've got. All right, Ron, let's close it down. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.